Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Since 2013, Bombus has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsack for another edition of Star Wars Ranked. Me and a guest, a topic, five choices each. That's a pretty simple idea, and I'm glad we have it that way. Today, we have a very special guest for a very special topic. It is singer-songwriter, downright rock star, 
Van William, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited to talk about Star Wars, putting my Vandalorian hat back on. Yes, absolutely. So we met. Now, you've got a great album out there now. Countries is available wherever you want to buy your albums, wherever you want to listen to your music. Uh, you have a, a big music background. Been in front of two bands, Waters, Port O'Brien. You've got all the skills. I always grew up wanting to be a rock star, but here you are. You're just a Star Wars nerd. I really am. <laughs> it's my true identity. Uh, that's a good identity to have. Man. It is. That's the best. And you've you even I, I've I've heard that you've uh, and I've heard the song now. Uh, you you pointed out to me that you you work in references to Star Wars into your music. Yeah, you know, no one else in any of my bands has really understood the uh, the level of uh, obsession mm. in my life. So I just try to sneak it in once in a while. There's a Waters song that I mention, uh, the Millennium Falcon, and I, I think it went totally over their heads. The Falcon went over there? It's I like, mean, it's just a passing reference, you know? And they're yeah. like, oh, whatever. whatever. He's talking about some nerdy thing. <laughs> well, you're not an island on an island anymore. You're no. here with me. And you're here with the Four Center audience. It feels good. Uh, we, we connected quickly on Jedi Council, and I could not think of a better place to bring you to talk Star Wars than Force Center. And we've got a list today. It is the best non-speaking Star Wars characters. Now, that uh, some of these topics have some wiggle room. And this one is an interesting one. Uh, you, you and I were going back and forth on what we, ta- we were going to talk about, and you had some people that you wanted to talk about, and then this topic kind of just pops up. Like, like here, what about this? You're like, hey, I want to talk about this. I think it works. Now, we try to keep the guidelines loose here. Salacious B. Crumb, for example, you were talking. We don't, we're not going to count him, right? No, he, he's, he's, he's too verbal. He doesn't really say many words, but he's, he makes his presence known. He's cackling. He's cackling constantly. Someone who laughs with that much gusto can't be on this list. Disqualifying. Disqualifying. Now, we're looking at background characters. We're looking at characters that appear a lot. That's part of the fun of this list, and I think part of the fun of, of Star Wars rank, kind of coming up with our own lists here. Did you did you have an easy time coming up with this? Uh, mostly. Mostly. Mm-hmm. As I got into the fourth and fifth, there were a couple that I wanted to include, and I was confused. And also... Um, you know, the reason that I thought this could be a really great list is because part of the reason that mm. Star Wars always kind of um, infected my being is yeah. because of these kind of background characters. And these these characters, that you you know, the first couple times you're watching, you don't even recognize, but then the third and fourth, you're yes. like, wait, wait, what, what, what's going on? I, I, and then you start learning about all these characters. So it's kind of a gateway into nerddom for me. It absolutely is. And, and the card games, you've played a lot of the card yeah. games. That helps, especially with the prequel characters you were telling me. That's where you pick up a lot of them. Yeah, especially uh, I played the Star Wars customizable card game made by Decipher <laughs> yeah. or and um, they stopped uh, making cards after the Phantom Menace but that was a, a wealth of uh, really? information. Well, yeah. I think there's a, a gap in uh, the, their business model here. We can go back and maybe yeah. make some cards. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you're so right. There's this little tradition with Star Wars. It's the background things, the little moments. You know, a stormtrooper hitting his head becomes iconic when it's really accidental. Even something like Rogue One, I love of the background line of what is she proposing and like <laughs> star wars fans we all pick up on those little moments you know yeah. and we want to talk about them so without further ado we are going to dive on into our list here the best non-speaking characters in star wars it's not a definitive list you out there might be listening we'll tell you about uh where you can reach out to us after uh at, at, and let us know your choices 
uh, more than just debating ours. What are your choices? But we have our lists five to one. We're going to start, Van, with your number five. Well, I decided to start in probably the one of the most wealthy scenes in all of Star Wars for background characters, mm-hmm. and that is, of course, the cantina in A New Hope. And part of... Um, that scene and the magic of it watching as a kid partnered with my card game obsession was just picking apart every single one of those characters and reading tales from the Moss Eisley cantina cover to cover and back again. But for some reason, uh, the characters that really popped out at me the most always, and I'm breaking the rules a little bit already. I'm going to say the Tonica sisters is my number five. Technically two people. Uh, No, that's fine. It's like a tag team and and it's good. It's good. It It works. Plus they're identical twins. Yeah. um, Brea and Cinny. And I don't know exactly what it is about them, but something, you know, in an, in a, in a, in a, in a bar full of aliens Mm -hmm. and weird looking three eyes and, um, all kinds of various um, appendages and colors. They're just chilling. Yeah. They're just two human beings chilling, talking, whispering to each other. They couldn't care less about, you know, Han Solo, yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi, or, or anybody. And uh, there's something about their, uh, their vibe mm. to me that always cut through the noise. It's very real-worldly in a good way. It is. It doesn't take you out of the movie. You're no, just like, not oh, at all. I've seen those women before at Studio 54 at the time, probably. Yeah. yeah. And I haven't, uh, we were talking before, I haven't finished um, A Certain Point of View, but right. you were saying they actually have a new uh, canon story. Yeah, they're, they've got a big story in there, and there's a lot of that book said in the cantina, because mm-hmm. you are so right. I think that cantina sets the bar for a lot of conversations in Star Wars, of cool locations, weird, grimy underworlds, characters that are in the background. That's the launching point for a lot of it. And so, yeah, there's a lot in that book, uh, set in Chalman's Cantina, and they've got a big one. And they've, I don't know if it's, I, you know, I don't know if it rewrites their history so much as just plucks from things and adds new wrinkles and everything. Because I'm not overly familiar. I didn't read the tales from Masasi Cantina. Mm, you need to, my man. I need to still go back. You need to. Oh yeah, I'll, okay. it's delicious. I know it's legends, but oh boy, it is delicious. Well, legends still, you know, it comes back into play when you least expect oh, yeah. it. Oh yeah. Is it how? What, what point in your Star Wars? Career, because mm-hmm. I think it's yes. a career. Did you really zero in on them? Like, who are they? What are they? I think it was probably when the special editions came out, and that was the first. That was actually the first times I I ever saw Star Wars. Right. Um, I was old. I want to say eleven or mm. twelve, and um, seeing it on the big screen, those characters popped out even more. And then mm. when I got into the card game. Yeah. And read Moss Eisley, um, I would just, and I got a VHS of the um, right of, of A New Hope. I would just watch the Cantina sequence over and over and over really? and over and over and over. And I, I started at that time as a kid making up, embellishing their stories in my head, um, mm. and you know, fantasizing about what it would be like to have a beer with them. You know, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure they saw, saw all kinds of stuff going on in there. And See, and this is why I, I give a lot of credit to the special editions, and mm-hmm. I'm so glad they happened because it it was it was the first in theater experience for a lot of people, including myself with a new hope because I, I don't remember being one right. in my mom's arms at the drive-in theater, but seeing them on the big screen, and then later on they they I think one of them, if not both, are in the special editions at Jabba's palace. Is that right? Yeah, Whoa. it's not mentioned a lot, and I may be shazamming myself and thinking maybe they're there when they're not, but I think one of them appears there. Whoa. 
this could be a game changer. Could be. Yeah. Could be. Uh, and then the, yeah, the Childman's Cantina, they're, they're there for a reason. So you're so right. You picked up on this. They're not, they're not just bar flies, which I think at the time mm-hmm. you might've thought, oh, mm-hmm. they're just supposed to be some, some girls hanging out at the bar. No, no, no. They're there for a reason. They got their own agenda. Everybody's their own story. there for a reason. Everyone is. <laughs> Do you wish now you could get a hold of like some good, uh, Tonica sister figures? Oh God. Yes. Yeah. They should make those. They should. Like some new versions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Black series or whatever they are. Black series, indeed. Yeah, they kind of had a cult following, those sisters. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So that is your number five, the Tanaka sisters. What is Brea and Sivy? Sinny. Sinny. Sivy is uh, their cousin. She didn't make the trip. <laughs> she didn't show up. She's chilling on the moisture farm. Yeah, she's like, ah, I'm, I'm good. I'm not thirsty. Uh, that is your number five. My number five is going to the Phantom Menace, the Jedi everyone loves to reference, though we just... Sometimes you didn't know the name until you got a card game or you listened to Data Bank Brawl here on Force Center. It is Yarel Poof. He of Poof. the long neck and the tiny, tiny head. This is a Jedi who never spoke, but he was on the council. And so now we love to dig into who these guys are and whether it was legends or not, just back in 99, it was like, who's, who's the dude with the neck? And it kind of became <laughs> pop culture. And I think Yarl Poof is one of the lingering images of not just the Phantom Menace, but the prequels. Absolutely. You talk to people who maybe aren't fans or, oh yeah, the prequel, they're weird. Like remember there was that guy with the neck. Uh, I remember at the MTV movie awards, that year, Lisa Kudrow was hosting, and they did a big sketch, and she referenced, hey, what's with your, your neck? And he's just bobbing along there. So it kind of became a pop culture joke. I like the gentle sway of <laughs> yes. Yaurel Poof. Like he had just, like, he was just kind of like meditating in the breeze, back and forth, listening to ASMR on his headphones. Oh, gosh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, totally some... <laughs> not listening to anything that was going on. <laughs> some crinkling, some haircut videos. He's relaxed. And I always, you know, we we uh, we love on Databank Brawl and, and a lot of our shows here mentioning Yarel or talking about him or talking about those weird side characters, especially on Databank. Uh, every time I look at him now, I'm like, how did he get to the rank of Jedi Master? He's on the council. Yeah, he's on the friggin' council. This guy's done some things. Yeah. And, and that is what I, I look for in this list of who's in the background that stands out, not just in that shop, but in that moment, but you want to know more of them. The Tonica sisters are a perfect example. What yeah. are they there for? There's werewolves. There's these girls. Uh, there's these cool Jedi. And then there's the dude with the neck. <laughs> I want to know. So I think that has some legacy there. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's something, uh, when I first watched the, the, uh, the Phantom Minutes, which I saw in the theater 13 times. Oh, God bless you. Um, Love that. The council scenes were always some of my favorites and, um, just picking them apart mm-hmm. over and over and over and over. And Yaro Poof, for me, the design of him had mm-hmm. this kind of combination that we later saw too with uh, the Kaminoans. Mm. It was kind of, oh, yeah. it, it, kind of a um, classic Ralph McQuarrie esque vibe, but combined with more like kind of classic science fiction yeah. characters or something. There was a little something silly about it, but not too silly. It still felt exactly like Star Wars, but in his fresh kind of way that we hadn't seen in the original trilogy. I think you're onto something, and, and I know you're a you're a prequelist with us here too. Yeah. That's part of the joy of the prequels is it, it, it was George playing in his own world mm-hmm. and, and some of the designers, of course, Doug Chang and his team. But but yeah, I think you, you, you really described it well with the RL. It's like, that's not, well, that's perfect, perfectly Star Wars. Yeah, it works. <laughs> Would love to see him with a lightsaber. Oh, my God. 
The Adventures of Yarrell Poof on Disney Was streaming. he on the council in Attack of the Clones? No, he's been... He got mo- the boot. He got the boot. Mm. Or he retired, or just, yeah. took, you know... He, you know, moved on. I, yeah. I don't think Opal Rancisis, the snake Jedi, was there. Either. Not a lot. Yeah. Hung on. No. Well, there's 10 years time. There's 10 years time. I guess Lucas yeah, figured there was a retirement that's plan. That's a lot. For the Jedi. So that is my number five. So now we move to your number four. Well, we didn't even plan this at all, Kylo mm-hmm. Ken, but yeah. I'm going to stay in the Jedi Council. Perfect. For my number four, staying on topic. And this character always got to me. And <laughs> she is one of the most mysterious uh, figures, I think, in all of Star Wars lore. And her name, of course, is Yaddle. Oh, yes. Yaddle. The female Yoda. Yes. Species unknown. Still to this day. Species unknown. And I hope we never learn. And just the idea that there was someone else out there that was the same species as Yoda was such a turn on for my mind <laughs> that created all kinds of possibilities of things like planet of, of Yodas, you right. know, and Yaddle in particularly, in particular seemed so comfortable and almost smug yeah. in her chair. And I always just imagined that, of course, you know, they had a, fling you th- know, yeah you some went- sort of spark you know not yeah. allowed in the shadows oh yeah yeah it was in the shadows there was something there in the storage yeah. closets yaddle and yoda <laughs> were getting together so passionate yoda yaddle <laughs> embraces in the closet something going on there and um yeah i can't remember I it if, if she made it to attack the clones i kind of doubt no, it no no the council yeah the council really did switch yeah, the time the yeah clones came. we'd have to look at that to see who survived but yeah um, yeah yaddle she's all time for me i agree um she i don't really know too much else about her which is kind of the whole idea you know i and, mm-hmm. and speaking of the whole mysterious species thing that is one thing i'm sure you've talked about a lot that i really hope they just keep in the yep. shadow. I don't want to know the Never. name of the species. I don't need to know. Um, I, d- I don't need, like, Planet Hulk. I don't need Planet Yoda. No, I, I didn't know. need Palpatine's first name, but we got it. <laughs> Sheev, I've I've moved past it. I've yep. accepted it. We're good. But I don't need Yaddle's species. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah at this point, yeah, it's, a, it's even if they did a Yoda origin picture, it just have the first act be just nothing that we've learned about anything. No. Uh, Yaddle's a great choice because, because again, much like Arl Poof, it's something that even if you're not like you and I or Scrimshaw, beat by beat prequel fans or just know them, uh, you know, uh, I know some people hate watching to the point where they have every moment memorized. It's, it's one of those like, yeah, wasn't there a female Yoda? There was, wasn't <laughs> there? Yeah. And the fact that George and his team were like, wouldn't it be cool if there was another Yoda? And the, yeah, that, that'd be great. And then that idea just kind of got, there was hope when you saw that character in Phantom Menace. You're like, oh, we're going to learn. There's going to be, oh no, she's gone. No, she's gone. <laughs> she doesn't gone. say anything. So she's gently fa- swaying with the poof. With the poof. Maybe her and Yarl decided enough was enough. Let's get out of here. The Trade Federation, we got this kid. It's also just genius design. It's such a small little tweak to make Yoda yeah. look feminine. Yeah. There's really, it's kind of a, it seemed would be it, a tall order. It's like. <laughs> It's like when, when kids in the hall, when Dave Foley would wear a wig and suddenly look like Isabella Rossellini. It's like, it's, it's, yeah, it's a little switch from Yoda to Yaddle. But it, it gets you. And she had the long hair, right? She, I'm trying yeah. to, yeah, yeah. Beautiful hair. Yeah, beautiful <laughs> flowing locks. There's another missed opportunity for Yaddle dolls. Yeah. 
You know, that would be one of the more popular Black Series figures. It really would be. Uh, uh, at least for me and you. Yeah, there'd be at least three sales. At least three sales. Scrim. Scrim would get it. Scrim yeah. shall get it. Yeah. Um, but Yaddle is a great choice at number four. And what we're talking about here of the of the no words, but a, a giant legacy. Giant. So my number four, I'm going to move all the way up to the Force Awakens. That's right. Going popular, going recent times, and Sedan Ithano. Mm-hmm. Now, Sedan Ithano, of course, is a Crimson Corsair, the Blood Buccaneer. He's also called the Red Raider. He's also the man that almost took Finn away from the castle if he so had close. just a little more time. So close. A little more time. Uh, I love this character because I remember, uh, you know, the movie comes out and you see some of the marketing. I didn't know his name right away. It's one of those names you learn kind of after the fact from the visual dictionaries, encyclopedias and whatnot. But I saw his Funko Pop on a shelf and had to have it. This is a character that doesn't say a word. Maybe grumbles if you want to get technical. I don't know. Maybe he and his co-pilot say something to Finn, but doesn't say a word. Just what he looked like, his design. The, the he's got the Kalish mask there, so to call back to Grievous in a way. He got all that stuff, and it's like, who is that? He doesn't do anything. I need this figure, which, like you said earlier, is a big Star Wars tradition. We need these guys. We need these characters. We really do. It felt so good to have somebody like that in the in the newer films too. Mm-hmm. I didn't I, I I didn't include any uh, anyone from the from the newer films on my list, mm-hmm. but that is definitely one example of someone who really really cut through the noise. <laughs> yes, yeah, because ca- the the castle, Madison's castle, is without a doubt a callback and an, an homage in a way to the cantina. Uh, it's not just the Force Awakens version of it. It's just it's it's like that fits into the Star yeah, Wars absolutely. world. There's other bars. There's other places to hang out. But that's why it's so rich. I mean, we got you know the databank brawl. Uh, I forget their names right now, but uh, you know we got the bass player from the band and the cook oh, in yeah. a fight because that's what you could do with there. And so you're right. It cuts to the noise to Donathano. Such a great name too. It's such oh a Star my Wars god! Name. One of the best Star Wars names in a long time. And I think he does appear in one of the books that led up to the Force Awakens, the Journey of the Force Awakens, one of the smaller books. Mm-hmm. Uh, but every time I look at this character, every time I see that name, I, I'm thinking that he needs to show up somewhere else. You know, we don't know. He's got a long lifespan. I don't, you know, maybe he shows up uh, in a TV series set between uh, episode three and four or something like that. I could see it happening. I'd be on board with that. And I think he does have a six inch figure as well. And that's when you know it kind of hits too, where mm-hmm. you're, in the, you're in the background for a moment, but you look so cool. We know we need to design figures. Yeah. <laughs> and absolutely. Figures. So, Sedan Athano, number four from the Sedan Athano. Sedan Athano. There's a band name for you. There, That's right a good there. name. <laughs> so that is my number four, which means we move on to your number three. Number three. We're going back. We're going back to A New Hope. Okay. We're going back to A New Hope. And the little mysterious creature who I pronounce Garindan. Oh, I don't know yeah. how you say I it. I say Garindan, but a lot of times I just forget that name and I just say Snoot, Snoot guy. <laughs> Snoot face? Yeah. Garindan. This guy, you know, he's got this kind of like gas mask, weird, like almost steampunk aesthetic going on. Mm-hmm. And he's just creeping around and he's the bad guy. 
He's yeah. the bad guy, but more of a mercenary. Mm-hmm. I'm in my mind, um, just you know. I, and I didn't read certain point of view, uh, yes, so yeah. you might have to interject here. No, I want. No, this is interesting. Keep going with how you describe them, and we'll mm-hmm. see how it matches up yeah. with the new canon. So, in my mind, and just ju- judging on the the card game and Tales from the Moss Isaac Cantina, right. I imagine him as this guy who is just, you know, trying to make a buck and he sees some stuff going on. He hears that the Empire is looking for these droids and he sees the droids and he's putting two and two together and all of a sudden he makes some calls to some higher-ups and he's, you know, chasing them along, (laughs) kind of like this, and then he cashes in and he goes, spends all the money at the bar. Right. How did I do? Uh, You you didn't do completely bad. (laughs) Mostly Um, bad. And, and again, yes, you know, it's anyone keep track at home. I, we're aware that Garanan says some things, but yeah. I'm not counting that as as no. speaking like a salacious B. Crumb who spends almost the first act of a movie cackling. This is a brief moment with an all-time classic character. Um, the, the From a Certain Point of View story is really good. It's really interesting. It's different. It casts Garandan in the role of this guy who has to do things for the Empire to keep his family safe. And I'm paraphrasing a little bit of the story. Um, he is also highly intelligent. He feels as though he's looked down upon because of his how he looks. So he's an outcast. He doesn't belong. People, tr- it, it's almost like a oh God. And now I love him even more. Yeah, it's almost like he's if if you just have this thing where you you see someone and you assume because English is their third language, you you talk slow like an idiot to him, and they're like, right. yeah, no, I I speak three languages. You speak one badly. <laughs> Garrett kind of had that feel where he's like, I everyone's treating me stupid. I am a warrior in my hometown, uh, my home planet. I'm a, a family man. I'm doing this for great honor, and I'm stupid and low with this dumb empire. So there's a little bit of making a buck for a good reason yeah. and also being part of something, you know, just like I, he's aware. I he's like working. that whole yeah. kind of outcast kind of, he yeah. has to prove something. That makes sense. But deeply intelligent. Yes. You know, I can relate to this. Relate <laughs> you, <to> can, <laughs> you spying for the empire because of need? But this is a great choice. And this is, this is a great choice. I want to know more. Why, why does he stand out to you? Probably because even though um, most casual watchers would just kind of forget about him, mm-hmm. he was this example of a background character that had, a, you know, an actual role to play in the movie. He wasn't yes. just floating around or swaying in the breeze and, and looking cool. He actually did something. And yeah. even though he's barely there and mutters some things in his, in his um, yeah. alien language, there's like... He has a purpose and he has a role and something happened. And the fact that they kind of thought to include him, mm-hmm. uh, for me, always um, made me feel more a part of the universe. Just yes. the, Instead of just like, oh, let's just make the sets look cool with all these characters. It was actually ah. like, well, here we go. This guy's doing something. Uh, I'm sure from like, there were other people on center. I was like, what are you doing? This guy's, a, you know, it looks weird. He's, 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 but George was trunk. just like, yeah. no, let's do it. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't know. For some reason, there was always something that made that aspect of A New Hope feel more lived in and authentic to I th- me. I think that's a great yeah. description of what's going on, not just this character, but overall in Star Wars. And and and, and yeah, you go back, you, you really, you go back to George and him going, nah, the Empire would have some informants. The Empire, this is what they do. They're, they're in charge of everything. There's police force in a way, but they don't know. They're they're still they're not of this planet, and of and and that's maybe at the time, you know. I don't think George had this whole story with this snoot guy. It just was kind of like, hey, he's there. He's an informant, but it does speak to him building out his world. Absolutely, one of the things George does very well. So well, 
absolutely. Do you remember when the first uh, the first figure came out of Garen Danvers with the Power of the Four Series mid nineties? That was maybe right before my time. A little bit, yeah, yeah. yeah you were, yeah. Well, that's probably when special editions were coming. Yeah, it's around right that before. time. Yeah. yeah, it was a little bit before. He might not have been the first batch, so my years might mm-hmm. be off. But that was. It was a cool moment because mm-hmm. he's one of those guys. Yeah, and he probably never he ne- didn't have a figure before. Did not have a Kenner classic Kenner figure, uh, so it was good to see him. I think I, I think I have one in one of my. I have a lot of the Power Force figures that I don't have out displayed anymore because they're the real super buff. The ones. muscle, yeah, yeah the insane. God, the human insane. growth hormone Skywalker, <laughs> uh, but definitely Garandan is 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 a key part of that. Of that legacy of of, of uh, New Hope and and uh, and was when the new figures started coming out, it was like yes, they're finally paying homage to these figures, these characters. It's a good number three. I feel good about it. I think I think I'm a, very excited to hear your number three. My we're getting num- into the top three we're, here. For we're Ken, working towards Kylo Ken. the end, and uh, my number three. I uh, all right, you know, I feel like Jack Black's character would yell at me in High Fidelity, and I'm sneaking in a new one on a list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going with Broom Kid to Mary Black. Broom Kid. I love it. Stable boy in the credits. Broom Kid it. to all of us. To Mary Black to a few. I just followed the actor, the kid uh, that plays him. Oh, God. Uh, what a world he must be in. He, I just followed him on Instagram because uh, his name is is very close to that. It's like it's like Tamiri Bai. Is he embracing his life as broom kid? Absolutely. Good. And his parents, you know, because the kid's like 10, uh, he he says on there, you know, parents run the Instagram. But it, it's all pictures. You've, you've got to give the kid a follow. I've got to give the, the kid's name because it's... Uh, uh, he is portrayed Tamirian, uh, Tamirlan Blave is his name. Wow. Sounds like a Star Wars. Yeah. yeah, That's his real name. That's his real name. He is, uh, Russian, uh, I believe. Yeah. He is Russian. Uh, like me, I am, I am, uh, Ukrainian, uh, and he's Russian and, uh, he is a credit stable boy. And I went to his Instagram cause I was doing research today. So yeah. I just went to it today. <laughs> and this kid is like, yep, I'm broom kid. Well, that- that's it. That's me. He's got artwork. He's got pictures of a lot of pictures of Mark Hamill. He looks up to Hamill clearly. God, I hope he's staying off some of the darker corners of the internet. I hope so too. I, and I'm sure his parents yeah. are protecting yeah. him. But good on this kid and good on this character because here's a character who, again, literally doesn't say much other than maybe some screams and some, you know, going on. Yeah. Um, but I think. It was this little scruffing running around Canto Bite, and there's a whole lot to that. But then here at the end, they end the movie with this character, and he he represents the victory for Luke Skywalker. Yeah. It's all on this kid. And I always go, you guys hear me in Force Center say a lot. The first reactions, I was there, uh, here, 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 and I could hear, you know, I heard the crowd cheer when Yoda fought Dooku. And years later, you might say, you didn't like Attack the Clones, but I remember when you cheered. When the first couple viewings I saw of The Last Jedi, when he steps out and reaches for that broom and it moves to him by the force, audiences... Gas, oh. yeah, same. Right? Same. So that shows me he's got legacy and he's got impact. Yeah. Broom Kid's important. Wow. Yeah, I had um, you know, I had a personal journey with The Last Jedi. And, and now <laughs> I, I, love, I love The Last Jedi. Uh, I think I mm. rank it um, fourth out of good. the eight uh, live action... Yeah, nine live action films, but um, Broom Kid at first, my first viewing, mm. I was kind of 
grumpy about it. Gotcha. And I was kind of like, but that's not how these <laughs> movies end. It, they always right. end when pe- with people looking wistfully out into the stars and then the music <laughs> swells. Who is this guy? I don't know this guy. And what the, you know, just very in my own, yeah. in my own tailspin of emotion. And then I calmed down. I took right. some breaths. I talked about it with my friends and realized uh, that it's an epilogue. And um, once I started to appreciate uh, a lot of the other aspects of the film that I at first kind of like were jarring to me, I began to really fall Mm. in love with that moment. Ah. And it was one of those things that the more you think about it and the more you think about the point of the movie in in general and the sort of um, legacy of Luke Skywalker and his sacrifice at the end, if you want to call it that. It doesn't work without showing Room Kid. Like, you have to show how this message spreads to the galaxy. And to do it in that way was, I thought, one of the most, mm-hmm. one of the more bold uh, moves that Ryan Johnson did in terms of editing, I agree. Um, at least. And yeah, I thought it was. Um, I thought it was brilliant. Even though the first time I was like grumpy and, and, and stupid about it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't want to, I think that's unfair to yourself to call you stupid about it, but it, it's grumpy's fair. Yeah. I wasn't a hundred percent on board with it yeah. the first time I saw it. It's like that. That's how it ended. Cause yeah. I'm like you, no, it should end with like the, it should end earlier when they're when, on the yeah, Falcon. Yeah. Ray. It yeah. That's like the ending. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, I've came around pretty fastly when I realized, and I think you're right. I, I don't know if, yeah, could it work? But yeah, maybe not as much. If you don't see this and tie it to Luke's death, it, it might be a you little... You need to show some something of the mm. the um, vastness of the galaxy and how, you know, how Luke is meaningful. Otherwise, it's just Luke is sacrificing himself to this small little band of rebels, which yes. is still rad and great, mm. but it's not like as big of a deal to, to show him, to show Broomkid, it actually makes Luke's death way more meaningful to me because it emphasizes this like larger role. Right. Um, in the galaxy. I, I think you're, I think you're right. I mean, you're making a better case for him than I am and I, <laughs> and I respect it. No, um, no, it's all there. Cause it, it has great meaning. They put a lot on this character and I know the, a lot, there was a lot of cynicism early on. I get it. It's, it's fair cynicism when you're like, ah, oh, they're setting up another series. Mm. This is Ryan Johnson's series. In fact, on, his in, on the kid's Instagram page, it has the headline of Ryan Johnson to get three-picture three uh, deal with Lucasfilm. And I was like, it has a, like, a picture of like the newspaper Deadspin or something like that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, maybe he is the lead. Maybe I, this kid knows something. <laughs> I uh, what's your guess? I I my my guess is we'll never see Broom Kid again. I I don't think that's the point of Broom Kid. Yeah, I don't it wasn't think, to like introduce a new character. No. It was to show I think some it, exposition to the galaxy. It wasn't. I absolutely yeah. think you, yeah, you're right. You're 100 percent right. We're not seeing it again. It's important that he has force powers because it shows you know Ray's got to rebuild or might choose to rebuild, mm-hmm. and that the the force is oh, is awoke in the galaxy again, yeah. and that's all there. But yeah, I don't think we'll see Broom Kid. No. I don't think Broom Kid, the diaries of Broom Kid. No. But then again, flash forward to the Disney streaming service. (laughs) The diaries of Broom Kid. There's plenty of options. Becomes a Saturday morning cartoon. So that is uh, my number three Broom Kid with the legacy of Skywalker on his shoulders, which means we move to your number two. Number two, we are going to Return of the Jedi, Jabba's Palace, another din of incredible background characters. Oh, yeah. And uh, my number two is a, is a very obscure, very obscure character named Amanaman. 
<laughs> now, I don't blame you at all if you have no idea who right. that is, um, but you can Google him uh, on mm-hmm. uh, Wikipedia there. And his species is a manin, and uh, his species had a little resurgence of interest because they were in a Clone Wars arc that wasn't finished, but they threw up on StarWars.com. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, my God, you're right. Unfinished yes. uh, computer animation. But anyway, the reason that I choose him is because, you know, I grew up, um, most of the time in mm. Cambria, California, small town in California. Mm-hmm. But four months of the year, um, I spent time on Kodiak Island in Alaska. My dad's a commercial fisherman up there. Wow. And that I credit to a lot of the reason why I'm so obsessive about Star Wars. I just had nothing else to do for four <laughs> months of every year. Um, young Van on a fishing boat reading tales of a man nothing. And before I was old enough to work on the boat, um, I would just hang out with my mom and sister. And right. every Wednesday and Sunday, there were thrift stores that were open. Nice. And so I would get there early and just my whole goal in life was to find, look for and find Star Wars uh, figures. Yeah. And so I'd always go and I'd rummage through. I know exactly where they kept the toys and everything. And it was about the time of special editions and a little after. So mainly it was like Happy Meal toys or whatever. Right. And I would get them, um, you know. But one fateful day, I was, <laughs> I was scurrying through the little grate and then deep, deep, deep down there, I recognized a figure, but I didn't know exactly what he was, but I could tell by the look of him that he was Star Wars, and I looked on his foot, and it said LFL, oh, yeah. which is a giveaway, Lucasfilm Limited, 1983, and I lost my mind, <laughs> and it turns out it's a man man and not only that, but somehow he still had his staff Oh yeah, um, clutched in his hand, which just blows my mind. Now I, I I can't. I still have the figure. It's on my uh, uh, one of my studio monitors at home, and that moment to you know uh, ten or eleven year old me, at that point, it is safe to say that was definitely one of the top three best moments of my entire life. I could not <laughs> believe my luck. Because I went home and I looked on, oh no, we didn't have computers then, yeah, but yeah. I Ooh. went to the public library and, um, got some microfiche out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I looked at the prehistoric internet and I found out who he was in Man of Man. And I looked it up on one of these like price guides that were probably oh, yeah, just yeah. meaningless. And it said like $175 and I paid 10 cents. And now there's something about the look of this character too, that just, oh my God, brings me back to my childhood when it was just mm. like, that was the only thing that mattered to me yes. that day was and th- those weeks and those months was looking for these figures and then to actually find a vintage one in perfect condition of this obscure background character um every every time I watch Return of the Jedi now I just I pause and I admire <laughs> a man a man he this is you've just told a spectacular story that I hope needs to be a four part song that you write across <laughs> uh, four albums there because this that is what you're describing is the experience uh, of a, a lot of us have experienced Star Wars at its core and Star Wars at the early days you mm-hmm. know I love new generations of Star Wars fans I'm so glad it grows on I'm so glad my my cousin can take her young daughters to cons they're experiencing it in a different way because you can just go to Wikipedia. There was a different time and a different feeling. Like a man, a man uh, uh, was a, a character I wasn't familiar with for a long time because he's such a background character. Yeah, and he's not even featured. He's, no. he's not even. There's not even a close up. Really, no, no. It's incidental almost. And and I remember the figure, but I couldn't connect it to anything. You know what I mean? Then I I, I didn't have it. But I, I and it just was like so you kind of grow up in the back of your head. And then when you discover, oh, he's called a man, a man, and he's <laughs> a man, and it's kind of becomes hilarious. And then it's like that's like a 
It's a language. It's a little. It's a little uh, private language between you and other Star Wars fans, especially of of that generation and around your time too, yeah. where you could probably be like, "Hey, you know who a man of man is? Oh, I do. Oh, oh I yeah, have a man figure. Man? Oh yeah. Why oh, yeah. did he have a figure? I, I have no idea. It's one. Of, I mean, Tarkin, nothing. A man of man, <laughs> figure and staff. <laughs> so weird. That needs to be that great Netflix series, The Toys That Made Us, need to be just. The whole one on the Star Wars background characters. So amazing. So that is a perfect list. And and like you said, it, you still have that figure to this day. Oh, yeah. It's one of my most prized possessions. Actually, the, I have it you know, in my, uh, in my studio bedroom, and mm. I've explained it to mm. several ex-girlfriends. <laughs> like, first time over to my apartment, you know, got the lights hey, turned down, on, got the music on. And they're like, what the hell is that thing? <laughs> and I, I just can't help but tell the entire story. And, and then um, a tear in your eye. Somehow, usually it didn't end the night, but <laughs> sometimes. Sometimes it did. Sometimes it did. Oh, well, a man a man is worth it. It's, oh he's my worth, God, he's so worth he's it. He's worth the cost of any love. Uh, so that is your number two, a man a man. Great choice. Great story. Thanks for sharing that one. And my number two is uh, similar. Same movie. Return of the Jedi. Some characters that are in the background, and then they got a figure too. At least one of them did. We later on discovered their names and maybe their purpose. But back in the eighties, we just knew them as Imperial Dignitary. Oh God, I love the, I love <laughs> the Imperial Dignitary. I'm jealous. I should have thought of this one. This was <sighs> the, when when you said, "Hey, what if we do this list?" He was the first one that popped. So my So good. So creepy. Creepy. Uh, the fact that they had a figure, so you grew up. Going, oh, that's the the emperor's friends. Yeah, he had some friends there, right? What are they doing there? Uh, and the fact, again, they had a figure. A man of men is a figure. Tarkin, Biggs, some of these other characters that had some weight in the stories. Not so much. Uh, you know, uh, Pruneface. You get a figure. <laughs> the Imperial Dignitaries, again, like I said, have, have l- grown to, you know, we know their names. Janus, Greed, Jadis, and, and Similu. And, uh, you know, we've got... Uh, 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 Loop, uh, was it Yupe Tashu from Aftermath? Uh, Minister Hayden from Rebels. Now uh, Malcolm McDowell's character. So we know what they do. We know their story. But back back in the day, it was just this weird, random figure of two dudes hanging out with the Emperor. And I remember having discussions with cl- my friends on the playground, the kids on the play- playground. What are they doing? <laughs> what are they doing? Where did they go? Vader shows up. They're gone. They on a break. What is yeah. happening? I always felt, I always imagined that they were a little more clued into the spiritual dark side thing, as opposed okay. to kind of the yeah. more political muscle of the of the Imperial Guards, maybe. Yeah. But you know, just I think that's just because they kind of look like old uh, well, yeah, wizards. I, yeah, no, and, and you're and you're and you're very much right. That's mm-hmm. that's the service that they, the purpose and, and and what they're doing, the service to the Emperor there. But yeah, at the time, I guess you're right. You kind of could picture it because every time, remember he turned, he like addresses Vader at one point and then they like kind of like turns back to them mm-hmm. and they're kind of like, are you done talking to the kid? <laughs> Let's get back to our serious discussions on and <laughs> contemplating and pontificating over all the things in life. So I think you're right. Even back then in the back of your head, you're like, oh, they're like, on, they're on team force. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's something yeah, else. They're clued in. They're figuring it out. Yeah. And, and yeah. They're again, down with Sheev. They, down- ca- they call him Sheev. First name basis. First sheave basis yes. is uh, the Imperial Dignitaries. <laughs> so I'm fascinated with them still to this day. And even though we know more about them now 
in, in new canon, particularly mm-hmm. it's been kind of explained more and it makes wonderful sense. I love it. I still kind of, in my head, I just go back to this weird spot of not really knowing. Yeah. And I kind of great spot to be. Yeah. To figure it out. Yeah. I, I, I wish we could just have generic Imperial dignitary number mm-hmm. two. I know. But then I also need to know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. yeah. Now, the know. guy in Rogue One, that was obviously not the same. The, the Vader's... Um, Vinay is his name. Similar aesthetic, yes. similar vibe. But it's not the it's, I remember there's a lot of speculation that that's the same guy or one of those Right, guys, right. I... No. I still think, uh, yeah, he is a he's you know a, a servant to Vader. He is his, his butler, as it were. Mm-hmm. But I I think they might be from like the same line of training. Yeah, I'm, same crew. Yeah, it's my head cannon yeah. for sure. It's like yeah. Maesters in Game of Thrones. It's like he yeah. he went to study. He didn't go all the way. He didn't get his masters. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to. I would like Vader. to learn more about that that scene. Oh, it yeah. seems like a cool cool scene of folks these old creepy dudes talking I, about the dark side i i'd be i'd be up for that yeah a little book mm-hmm. just at the, least yeah imperial dignitaries volumes one two and three just lay it all out their whole story there so that's my number two kenner's own imperial dignitary which means we're gonna go to my number one so the guest who has guest rights will end with his number one so so good of you oh no 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 <laughs> it's just the way of the force uh, my number one is an all-timer. In fact, he's he's so important, I almost considered saying, eh, maybe we shouldn't talk about him and just inducted him, duct him into a Star Wars-ranked Hall of Fame. But he is Lobot. Lobot! Does not say a word. Does he communicate? Yeah. Does he have feelings and emotions? Well, I mean, tough to say. Mm-hmm. Does he talk in the Lando comic? Yes. But we're dealing with that the movies. For this. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're talking about the big screen here. And Lobot, without a doubt, with his poofy shirt, his, uh, his very classy gray uh, little jumpsuit there, gray boots, I believe. He's, he's, he's working it. And his, uh, his famous computer earmuffs, as you probably said, growing up lobot has a lot to do and in a lot of ways saves the day yeah he really does uh, if he doesn't come through and, and can't communicate to the bespin guards which i also had two of those great figures uh things go a little differently for our heroes in empire strikes back which is why i think lobot is the all-time for me best non-speaking star wars i think character. you i think you really hit the nail on the head there he is the perfect combination of someone who can kind of Peak your interest right. as a as a casual viewer and, or as a hardcore uh, a sweaty as we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm. At the same time, he has a tremendous impact on the story without saying a word. There's something mysterious and different enough about him. Like mm-hmm. we don't have any other characters up until that point. Anyway, there was almost something like Trekky about his oh, aesthetic, which at first like. Make, could make you a little nervous. Like, what is this? This isn't Star Wars. But then <laughs> as it goes on and you see his, his relationship with Lando, mm. um, it makes perfect sense. And um, I loved him in the Lando comic as well. Great. I think they've done a great job of handling him mm-hmm. um, because it, it is one of those characters that you want to remain mm-hmm. uh, kind of in your head canon a little bit. But so far, I, I'm satisfied with everything they've sh- shown us. Yeah, I, I don't want to know much more about him. You're absolutely right. And, and But I, what we got in the Lando Lando comic, uh, you know, for those who haven't read it, we won't go go into it, but it's it's a great thing. He does speak. It's a different version of, of the character, but it, it's, you learn a lot about him and learn a lot about why he ends up the way he is in Empire. And it's very, especially growing up in the 80s, it fits so in. You, you, it was 
Star Trek, you, that is absolutely right. That is a Star Trek-like character, little 70s Battlestar Galactic. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Yeah. It's totally weird in sci-fi. And I always say Star Wars is more, is is its own fantasy, epic kind of modern myth versus just straight sci-fi. It's genre. Yeah, but that is pretty sci-fi. Mm-hmm. The guy's got a computer. The <laughs> only thing that kind of reminds brain. me about uh, of him is, are those ones in Rogue One, the decraniated. The decraniated, yes. Those kind of, for some reason, have a similar aesthetic to me yeah just a little more nasty mm-hmm. dr evanston's work uh and then uh in uh is it rebels yeah the one with chopper and and ap5 the one that ends up with him singing in space right oh god um josh gad's character is mm-hmm. is, a, is another lobot in a way yeah, yeah. same devices mm-hmm. connect to his that's head. right a little more personality that's right um, which is, yeah, the Lando comic, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but yeah, if you guys out there, the, the Lando comic five issue run, check it out. It's really good. And Lobot, yeah, he just, you grew up in the eighties, kind of like that Lobot guy, even though there's as, as Scrimshaw has coined the term sad Lobots <laughs> left over at the end of the Kenner run, just hanging on the shelves. No one wanted sad Lobot left alone. He is definitely one of those characters that had a lot of impact didn't say much, didn't say anything really other than you count eyes and the urgency in his face, mm-hmm. but played a part and saved the day. So that is my number. And now one. he's number one. And now, and now he's earned it. He's earned his number one on my list, but your number one, whew, this oh, is maybe the one that inspired this all for it you. It kind of did. It kind of did. And you know, as we've been talking about a lot, we're both prequelists. Mm-hmm. And for me, particularly because of the age I was when The Phantom Menace came out okay. and spending so much time on Kodiak Island with nothing to do, there was one theater, one screen mm. there. And I saw it every other day for two weeks. And there's this <laughs> one character in particular mm. um, who appeared for one you know one second or so mm-hmm. and it's Ara Singh love it Ara Singh I remember there was some hype going into before the movie came out that it was kind of going to be this new Boba Fett or this type yes. of thing there was this kind of buzz building about her and obviously she didn't end up having a pivotal role at all like him mm-hmm. but her uh the her poise and her look mm-hmm. were so iconic that it didn't matter. All yeah. she had to do was just stand there and watch. And I would start timing my bathroom breaks only my seventh or eighth viewing <laughs> right after, right after that we saw her. You're like, I'm good. I've seen I'm good. Today. Okay. We got our saying now I can go pee and miss <laughs> the rest of the pod race and we're, we're good. And, um, I also loved her in the clone wars yes. and I was, ho- I was wishing that they would actually feature her a lot more. Mm-hmm. I would have way more of, uh, I would trade some of her scenes for some of the other bounty hunters, um, on the clone wars. And mm. yeah, it was a, it was a character because the Phantom Menace was the first movie that came out that I could experience in real time as a fan. You know, when I watched uh, the original trilogy, it was during the special editions on the big screen, but this was, I was watching it in real time with the rest of the world. I was experiencing it as a, as a, as a young dude, there was something about our Singh that just made me fall in love with the universe all over again. But oh, the specific wow. prequel world, mm-hmm. which was such a strong world, you know, say what you will about the making of the movies, obviously, but the world building, uh, um, in the prequels is incredible. Right. And I thought that the characters like her somehow turned my brain on to 
Star Wars in a way that I hadn't even experienced with the, with the classic trilogy. I was just completely mm. um, infatuated with her, and and I think that uh, to this day. Um, when I look at uh, photos and, and figures of her, I'm just like, gosh, that's a freaking cool design. Yes. Like incredible, yeah. uh, meticulous. Um, the lantana out of her oh head. Oh my God, it's so cool. Yeah. So cool. So she's my number one. She'll always be my number one. There's a special <laughs> place in my heart. Um, I love it. I hope she comes back. It was pretty yeah. unclear uh, her fate in the Clone Wars. You're absolutely right. You're right. I'm she trying to crashed think. on a ship, but then we well, don't really. See. Well, you know, and we do see her. Oh gosh, is it in the Africa? comic or the mall comic the one of the new marvel comics right. she's there she kind of dated cad bane for a while <laughs> i think is the way to say it. i don't know why not why not i think it's her and her and cad bane or is it her no or, or is it her and uh hondo i think her and hondo dated not oh, god she deserves so much better she deserves than better than hondo <laughs> She des- she deserved the Vandalorian. The Vandalorian. I'm not gonna lie, there was definitely a part of my oh, infatuation yeah. that I was just in love with her. Oh, I, oh yeah. I grew up. Uh, you know, I've always had a you know a little little taste in punk rock. Uh, yeah. Or I'm I'm such a straight lace mm-hmm. suit and tie wearing guy. Mm-hmm. So uh, a lot of times I'm I'm attracted to the opposite of that. And Aura yeah. Singh is definitely. She was like at the time. You know, was a, you know still am a big fan of like Shirley Man- Manson and garbage. Yeah. Like I'm like she that. Surely Manson totally could be our thing. Yeah. yeah. And that yeah. actually makes sense because I was starting to get into punk rock at the time. Yeah. I was listening to the Ramones and the Sex Pistols and Fugazi and stuff. And so maybe that aesthetic is part of what part connected of in my brain. Absolutely. Uh, but beyond that, it too, it, it, she is everything about this list. She's there for a second and inspired imagination in storytelling because that's why she shows back up again. She's Boba Fett's like adoptive mother in a way. It's yeah. important. Uh, and, and we want to see more of her. And mm-hmm. then, uh, for years and years, you have your own headcanon of, mm-hmm. of this character. What what was that? What did I just see? Yeah. And then, remember, see, you, you're hitting on something. I, I, I've talked about it before. I don't. I wish I could pull up exactly where I read it. I have some book uh, magazines on my shelf here that are like old Star Wars insiders and stuff like that. After Phantom Menace, there was like, oh, this person is a bounty hunter called Aura Singh, and. Like, you got a sense that George was going to do something more with that character. Like, oh, we're going to see her in attack. Yeah. She has a bigger part to play. And I wish I could pinpoint the article exactly. I can't. But maybe one of your faithful listeners. Maybe one of my down. listeners here at Force Center can track it down. Use some microfiche down at the, the library or head up to Kodiak Island. <laughs> Go to the library there. But yes, there Great was a library. Anticipation. It didn't get, didn't get paid off. And some could argue that some of the problems with the prequels. Mm-hmm. I understand that critique. Um, but. What remains is one of the greatest one-second characters in all of film. Legendary. Ars Singh inspired this list today. Um, I do. I, we forgot to touch. Uh, I, I like to go to honorable mentions. I, yeah. I forgot. But uh, other people that almost made your list. Mm-hmm. Anything that you have? Well, I did want to include someone from the uh, newer, the new, the Disney era films, mm-hmm. and. One that really popped out to me because there weren't really any droids on our list. Is that right? That's fair. Yeah, with no no droids. I BB nine E for me. Oh yeah, um, yeah. There was something about evil BB eight. Yeah, uh, but, but it's just so. I, I mean, I love BB eight. I think is one of the most innovative yes. new characters um, in the new films, mm-hmm. and just the fact that I think people take it for granted that you can create a new droid that's a spin, <laughs> literally on R two D two, yeah, and have it 
connect visually to the classic movies, but be something totally new and totally charming and feel like it has a personality of its own and actually pull that off is right. pretty incredible. And so I really love the, uh, the fact that there's a more evil, sinister version of the same droid. So BB-90 for me BB-90 is, 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 up, a, is up there. That's a great one. Yeah, I was trying to go through some... Grumgar almost made it, again, from Maz's Castle with mm-hmm. uh, Bazin Natel on his lap there. Fascinating character to me, just that Star Wars design dominates the screen when he's on there for all of two seconds. And you kind of want to know more. I want to know how he can get up and walk around. He's so huge and big and hulking, stuff like that. Uh, there's definitely some new hope cares. And I almost put, I, I was telling you off air, I almost put Wes Jansen on the list. Oh, yeah. Wedge Antilles Gunner on Hoth because he had a big part to do. He took down the first walker with Wedge. Then I realized, oh, wait, he actually does speak. He does he English. Does speak. He speaks English. Yeah. Basic, basic, sorry. Basic, basic. Oh, basic. Uh, speak. Speaks uh, basic uh, cables out, detach cable. Let us, so I, you know, had to take him off the list there. But there's there's a lot of uh, those. I wanted to include some other pod racers as well. Um, oh yeah, Ben Quadraneros. Does he say anything? I don't. I think he just. Yeah, there goes Ben Quadraneros power couplings. He's you know that whole. The pod race sequence for me, I loved all those guys. Rats, yep. Tyrell. Mm-hmm. Um, That's why that game pod Gascano. racer. Yeah, Gascano. Oh, yeah, I we're going to have to get in on that. That Nintendo 64 in my house is hooked up with the pod racer in. Uh, absolutely. There's a lot of stuff there. I mean, the list, uh, the honorable mentions could go on and yeah. on and on because there's just so many of them in Star Wars. It is kind of the point. It's kind of what pull you pulls you in and... Drew us in as, as a youngster, uh, seeing an Amanaman figure at the bottom of a toy barrel, and uh, the wonder and anticipation of more Aura Singh and Yaddle. All of it's there. Van, thank you so much for coming in and joining us on the Force Center Podcast V Talking Star Wars. It's been an honor, my friend. Absolutely, man. I want I want you to tell the people, though, where they can find you. You are about to go out on tour. Yes, going out on tour throughout the entire country uh, mm. with a singer from L.A. named Lissy. And um, all the tour dates and information are on the website, vanwilliammusic.com. And you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at vanwilliammusic. And do yourself a favor, if you're a music fan out there like I am, an old rock DJ that I am, check out his album, Country's Great Listen. It's one of those you have to catch every track to just sit, just enjoy it. He's got some great singles on it for sure, but you, you sir, have written an album. Thank you, my man. Which is a, which is a, a, a good thing in that rock world. Give me an album, not a single. I want them all, kid. I want all the songs. And it's good. Check out Country's out there right now. Uh, will you come back to Four Center some other time? I would love to. I would love to. There you go. That's a contract. We'll see you guys next time. Star Wars has been ranked. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.